Welcome to the Christian Marauder, everybody. As we continue our study on the book of Revelations, chapter 12, concerning when dragons came to earth. Did you know that John F. Kennedy, former president of the United States, in a speech he gave in about 1963 that's still found on YouTube and the Internet that you can listen to today, said this, For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies on covert means for expanding its sphere of influence on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system that has conscripted vast human and material resources into a building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. You know, a former president said this, who shortly after this was assassinated. That just kind of makes you wonder, doesn't it? Well, who was John F. Kennedy actually referring to? Well, it's the same people that David Rockefeller mentions in uh, June 1991 when speaking to the mainstream media back then, and I quote him, It would have been impossible for us to develop our plan for the world if we had been subject to the bright lights of publicity during those years. But the world is now more sophisticated and prepared to march towards a world government. The supra-national sovereignty of an intellectual elite is surely preferable to the national auto-determination practiced in past centuries. End quote. Then again, in a remarkable manuscript entitled Silent Weapons for Quiet War, helps identify who the sovereign intellectual elite and world bankers, who they are and what they plan to do. The same elite that JFK, John F. Kennedy, revealed that are involved in a ruthless conspiracy to reshape the world into a global tyranny. Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars is allegedly a training manual put out by the Bilderberger Group to the world governments and CIA and things like that that came to public light in 1986. It was first written off as a hoax and used as a backdrop for novels and so forth, etc. However, recent events that we are experiencing worldwide right now speak volumes about the validity of this very book. In the book, it uses the phrase energy when referring to economic energy or economic engines that run both the nation's and world's economy. Listen carefully to this quote on page 37, found on the PDF version that's listed on public domain here. Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars, and I quote on page 37, The next step in the process of designing an economic amplifier is discovering energy sources. That's the economic engine there. The energy sources which support any primitive economic systems are, of course, the supply of raw materials and the consent of the people to labor and consequently assume a certain rank, position, level, or class in the social structure to provide labor at various levels in the pecking order. Each class is guaranteeing its own level and income, controls the class immediately below it, hence preserves the class structure. This provides stability and security, but also government from the top. As time goes on, and communication education improve, the lower class elements of the social labor structure become knowledgeable and envious of the good things that the upper class members have. They also begin to attain knowledge of energy system or economic energy engines and the ability to enforce their rise through the class structure. This threatens the sovereignty of the elite. 
And so this whole book is about how to put people at, in their place as serfs so their uh, sovereignty of the elite is not affected. So listen again what David Rockefeller stated in June 1991 to the mainstream media. And the supranational sovereignty of an intellectual elite and world bankers is surely preferable to the national auto-determination practice in past centuries. What he's saying here, you need to get rid of capitalism. Let me modernize it with a modern phrase that has come out, the Great Reset. Yes, you heard me right, the Great Reset that Klaus Schwab is espousing and, and whose phrase is Build Back Better, who happened to be Joe Biden's campaign speech, kind of give you an idea where things are heading. It's the sovereignty of the elite. This idea lines up with what the book of Revelation reveals about the rise of the Antichrist and setting up of a one-world government. By an elite class of intellectual elites, merchants and bankers who are in charge of all industry, who control all commodities, all resources, control communication systems of the entire world used to influence science, education, politics, economic operations to steer the world toward a one world government system. And folks, these people are seen later in Revelations chapter 18, bemoaning the fall of this Babylonian system that made them rich and powerful after realizing their philosophical ideas just slit their own throat and destroyed their own prosperity. How do you like them apples, folks? That's what the book of Revelation is pointing to. That while this manual, silent weapons, quiet wars, involve controlling the world's resources in such manner to manipulate and persuade the serfs, that's us, lower folks, to comply or else, and it's all summed up in Silent Weapons, Quiet Wars, on the PDF on public domain on pages 10 and pages 38. And I quote verse page 10 here. Wars, therefore, the balancing of a system by killing the true creditors and falling back on whatever is left of the resources of nature and regeneration of those resources. Then on page 38 it says, until such energy dominance is absolutely established, the consent of the people to labor and let others handle their affairs must be taken into consideration. Since failure to do so could cause the people to interfere in the final transfer of energy sources to the control of the elite. In other words, they want people to be dumbed down and distracted so that it doesn't interfere with their plans to control everything, all aspects of your life. When you live, how you live, what you can buy, what you can sell, it goes right to the mark of the beast that we will soon see in Revelation chapter 13. In the book, it defines the economic engine as e economic energy used to maintain and control a society. It clearly lays out a class system and deliberate need to keep the common man and small businesses from tapping into the science that these elites use to maintain their own economic energy or their prosperity because it threatens the sovereignty of this elite class that JFK warned about, a ruthless conspiracy. On page 7 of Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars, it says this, and I quote, In order to achieve a totally predictable economy, the low-class elements of society must be brought under total control, i.e., must be housebroken, trained, assigned a yoke, and long-term social duties from a very early age before they have an opportunity to question the propriety of the matter. In order to achieve such conformity, the lower class family unit must be disintegrated by a process of increasing preoccupation of the parents and the establishment of government-operated daycare centers for the occupationally orphaned children. 
The quality of education given to the lower class must be of the poorest sort, so that, that a mote of ignorance isolating the inferior class from the superior class and remain incomprehensible to the inferior class. With such initial handicap, even bright lower class individuals have little if any hope of extricating themselves from their assigned lot in life. This form of slavery is essential to maintain some measure of social order, peace, tranquility for the ruling upper class. JFK did mention a ruthless conspiracy. Here it is. So with that, folks, let me interject a couple of things. They want a predictable economy, and they want to house broken and train and put a yoke on the lower classes. How about COVID-19? Wear a mask, don't wear a mask. I don't know if you recognize behavior modification techniques that are used in this. Hope, you know, hope you do realize what's going on. They have to destroy the family unit, the nuclear family. And they have to distract the family so parents are no longer really uh, uh, teaching their kids, but it turns over to uh, daycare center, i.e. public education to indoctrinate your children. I mean, teach your children. Hmm. Got to watch your words here because these people have your best interest at heart, don't you know? So let me say this, folks. If you think this is all a bunch of bunk, listen to what... Um, in 1957, that Nevada State Senator George W. Malone, speaking before Congress in 1957 now, 1957, warned about this too, and this is a matter of public record, warned of this very same plot that is laid out in this manual I just mentioned, Silent Weapons, Quiet Wars. And he says this, I believe that if the people of this nation fully understood what Congress has done to them over the last 49 years, they would move on Washington. They would not wait for an election. It adds up to the preconceived plan to destroy the economic and social independence of the United States. Now, if you think this is kind of over the top, folks, listen to what former director J. Edgar Hoover warned about in 1956. Okay. The individual is handicapped by coming face to face with a conspiracy so monstrositous he cannot believe it exists. The American mind simply has not come to the realization of the evil which has in been introduced into our midst. It rejects even the assumption that human creatures could espouse a philosophy which must ultimately destroy all that is good and decent. No matter what you think of J. Edgar Hoover or John F. Kennedy, there is something in those words that ring true, folks. They match what we are seeing today. We're seeing a conspiracy so monstrous that nobody really believes it can possibly exist. That nobody would want to destroy all that is good and decent. And yet the evidence is all around us. Abortion on demand, depravity, and the mocking of good, calling good evil and evil good now. Folks, it's all around us. Silent Weapon for Quiet War states this on page 17. It actually puts forth their in-game and plan. And I quote, To take control of the world by use of economic silent weapons in a form of quiet warfare reduce the economic inductance of the world to a safe level by a process of benevolent slavery and genocide. Did you get that? They want to... By benevolent, they sound so benevolent. They want to put you in slavery. They want to control what you read, you eat, what you control how you think. It's benevolent slavery. They're doing it for your own good. Do it for your neighbor. Wear your mask for your neighbor, even though masks don't work and COVID's on the rise. And genocide. Oh, benevolent genocide sounds so wonderful, folks. Man, I tell you, this is crazy talk these people have.
It, it, it's dragon speak. Folks, these people love to kill the unborn. They believe in benevolent genocide, don't you know? They want to take your liberties away. They want to take your free speech away. They want to destroy the, the nuclear family, take our personal property rights away. They want to take your right to worship the Lord God Almighty away from you. They want a world where there is no personal freedom, where you are presumed guilty despite how innocent you are. You have no right of redress or grievance against an abusive government, and your vote no longer counts. Because they know better. They got to govern and make sure it's a benevolent, kind elites handing out the benefits for benevolent slavery and getting rid of the excess world's population for, to maintain a harmony with nature. These people want to reshape the world into the devil's hellhole of control and tyranny like you can't even imagine. They seek to reset the world economic system, even inflict controlled famines, folks, to train people to become good serfs who dare not question the benevolence of the new world order. You think I'm talking crazy talk? In communist Russia during the revolution from about 1917, I think, up to the 1930s, there was an entire population in the Ukraine that resisted the communists. What did they do? They instituted a famine, wiped out that area. They, they, they're doing that now in Venezuela. They're, they did this in China as well to get rid of the population to control. Now, they're, now they use food as a weapon to control people to comply. They use a disease. They'll release a non-lethal pandemic, so to speak, in order to gain control, get a vaccine, all this crazy stuff. Folks, to make their idea of benevolent slavery a reality. Well, the Bible says it like this in Psalms chapter 2, verses 1 through 3 from the New King James. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing and the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast their, away their cords from us? So, folks, I, there comes a question. How did all this begin? The answer is found in Revelation chapter 12 when the dragons came and took over the earth. To understand this better, we need to step back a bit and learn how ancient literature and literary style actually works. In ancient writings, they use something dramatic, a dramatic event, and then they go back and provide the details in a narrative type of account to explain what's going on in the dramatic. Without understanding this, this book the revelation will seem unreal and hard to fathom. We just can't grasp it because we're reading on a linear style, not realizing there's a dramatic boom, then an explanation, then another dramatic boom, then there follows an explanation. If you understand that, you'll unlock the book of Revelation. It'll read a lot easier and make a lot of sense. And then you know what to look for. And if it's happening in the world today, and the Lord will speak to volumes from its pages, folks. Knowing these things is how the book of Revelations, like I said, opens up before our eyes. Let's look at Revelations chapter 12. Revelations chapter 12 answers the question how all this began when dragons came to earth and were unleashed. Revelations 12 starts out revealing God's secret plan he had before the foundation of the world revealed by the symbolism that's used in Revelations chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. Revelations chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 out of the New King James reads, and just, just keep tracking with me here, and I quote, 
And now the great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. And being with child, she cried out in labor and pain to give birth. Folks, I'm going to avoid a lot of repeating of other Bible scholars and, and quoting here. Well, the, the majority of Bible scholars agree that the woman represents the nation of Israel and the history of how God called out a special people to be his own, whom the one will come that will crush the serpent's head that's mentioned in Genesis chapter 3.15. Thus it says in, the, in that verse that she was being with child. This speaks of God revealing his glory, Jesus Christ, to shine the true light on God's ways, mercy, grace, truth, power, might, and judgment as light upon the earth to redeem people back to his original plan and design through the, his work of sacrifice done on the cross, folks. So let's break this imagery down a little bit further. This woman, who represents Israel, is clothed with the light of God, and they were called to diffuse the light of God's loving order design, was also called to proclaim the name and character of the Lord to all, to be a lighthouse to a lost world, who puts the moon under her feet. This represents, simply put, putting the devil and his minions under God's feet, just as Romans chapter 16 and the last verses say about, may, God, may the God of peace crush Satan under your feet, folks. We are called the body of Christ, and we'll find ourselves in this chapter here later. But this is speaking of Israel. Israel's job was to do that, but they dropped the ball, folks. They dropped the ball. Now, the garland of 12 stars around her head, as scholars say, are the 12 tribes of Israel. And this is why they say the woman represents Israel, which is true. The number 12 means in Bible numbers simply this, a representative governing order, leadership that's in harmony with God or somebody else's leadership, in this case, with God. They are to be in harmony with God's order. This is in line with what Exodus 19 verse 5 says about making a royal priesthood and a holy nation. And guess what? Israel dropped the ball. Okay. So being with child goes right back to Genesis 3.15 where the woman's seed has been prophesied will crush the serpent's head. That seed is Jesus Christ. That's God's secret plan. The Lamb of God slain before from the foundation of the world, just as Revelation chapter 13, verse 8 hints at. Next in verse 12, verses 3 and 4, reveals the plans of a rebellious dragon, his secret plans and plots that he has with his crew. So let me read Revelation 12, verses 3 and 4 out of the New King James. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his head. Verse 5 says, his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. This is exactly what happened to Jesus when he was born. The devil put it into the heart of Herod to go kill all of infants to two years old in Israel to make sure they get rid of Jesus, okay? They want to devour as soon as he was born. Do you get the picture here, what's being said here? So it talks about a time in the eons past when the devil had a rebellion, drew a third of the stars, and the stars are translated later in, in a later verse down here as the fallen angels, and, and threw them to the earth. Why? To stop the woman from giving birth and devour the child before he can accomplish his task. They failed, hallelujah, and Jesus conquered them by the act of the cross. 
So let's break down the symbol and number meanings used in the text and see if this helps explain how this leads to the world's elites helping the Antichrist to arise that is seen in Revelation chapter 13. So let's look at Revelation chapter 12, verse 3, New King James. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads, ten horns, and seven diadems, like I said earlier. Well, the great fiery red dragon refers to Ezekiel chapter 28, verse 14, as the one who used to walk in the midst of the fiery stones before God's throne. This is an archangel who walked before God before he rebelled until iniquity was found in his heart. The next imagery of seven heads, ten horns, and ten diadems all have meanings, different meanings. This is an interesting looking creature, folks. I'm not going to get into all the details about it. But the imagery of seven heads, ten horns, and ten diadems, I'm going to use the numbers here. For example, the seven heads, okay? The seven heads are seven leaders that the devil has at his control. Okay, you can infer that into the meaning of the text with no violation to it. You can put it as the actual literal picture of the devil, too. I'll leave that up to you to decide. I think both may apply, they may not. But heads refer to head honcho leadership, okay? Interesting that the Mesopotamian pantheon has seven leading gods in their pantheon who are the top dogs, okay? The seven who decreed the fates of men. Just interesting. And so, anyway, the imagery of seven heads is like this. Well, what does the number seven mean? That will help us get to understand the text a little bit better here. Now, seven is a is a Hebrew picture of a plow. Now, someone goes, this is Greek. No, this is Hebrew. You got to read the Hebrew. So, it's number seven. It's a picture of a plow. And it's about plowing stuff, growing stuff, or turning your plow into a sword and warring until you reach a state of perfection, a wholeness and soundness of some type. In this case... The devil is going to plow, plant, grow, and war toward the perfection of evil to rule the world, okay? That's what he's going for. The ten horns, and horns often represent kingdoms. The top of a mountain, the peak of a mountain. It also refers to power and a great authority and fierceness in both attack and defense and battle, okay? That's what, ten, that's what horns represent. Also, horns of the altar that speak to you God's commands, okay? Or you know, grab the horns of the, for the sacrifice and cry out to God, as it says in the book of Psalms and elsewhere. So that's what horns represent, a way of communicating with God or something else to, for power, authority, and dominion, fierceness, and attack, and defense, as also represents actual kingdoms. So there's ten kingdoms here. We'll see this in the book of Daniel. You see this all throughout here, that there will be literally ten kingdoms set up here. That's what I think this means. Let's, let's continue. The, the root meaning of no, the number ten denotes the work of the arm or hands to help out, to help people live responsible to laws, commands. That's what it means. The ten commandments were ten commands to learn responsibility of how you live your life before God and man. It just was there to show you some boundaries, okay? That's what it means. And so, this, by the arm of the Lord, he wrote the Ten Commandments. That's where that comes from. In order to help folks live out how to be responsible before God and man. Okay? The second meaning of the number ten means to rely on the strong arm of one's own strength, might, authority, 
to be responsible to law and order of chaos as the means of achieving completeness. That's the opposite negative meaning here. Okay, um, and then you have seven diadem. So what is a diadem? A diadem is actually a piece of cloth tied around the head or placed on a turban or a tiara that denotes kingship or all authority. So the picture here is the devil giving ten kingdoms and leaders power, okay, to rule in his place, a world of elites, if you want to put it so 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 kindly here. So he gives them a diadem, a bandana tied around their head, denoting that they, they are the devil's own, so they can rule. Now, when you add these numbers together, and I hope you're following me, 7 plus 10 equals 17, and next you add 17 plus 7, and you get to number 24, and you find the sum root, number 7, next 10, and 24. These reveal a lot when you put Bible number meanings that are guided by the, interpreted by the context here. Seven means to plow, grow, and war toward the perfection of evil. Seventeen means victory, absolute gaining of total victory, overcoming an enemy. Number 24 is a royal priesthood, a heavenly government, the heavenly council, elders. So here is the meaning of this broken down for you. The devil, that dragon, that red fiery dragon, is going to war against God to bring about his perfection of evil, and completeness by achieving absolute victory over God so he can govern the heavenly council of elders making them subservient to his governing order that's his deep secret plans and guess what that's all verified in the Bible you don't even have to do all this it's verified in the Bible this is verified in Isaiah chapter 14 verse 13 out of the New King James for if you said in your heart I will ascend to, into heaven I'll exalt my throne above the stars of God I'll also sit on the mountain of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. That's talking about Lucifer exalt his throne above God's. And this idea of the farthest sides of the north is perplexing. And a lot of people take stabs at it and guess at it. And others have figured it out. But this is the farthest sides of the north. On the farthest sides of the north is a constellation called Draco. And Draco is the dragon. That's what Draco means in, in Latin, dragon. So the dragon wants to exalt his throne above God's. He wants to take over his heavenly council and rule heaven with God under his feet and subservient to him. He wants victory. He thinks he can gain that victory on earth. This is also verified in the next verse as well. Uh, Revelation 12 verse 4. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. The devil convinced a third of the angels to rebel and help him set his throne above God's and rule from the sides of the north, just as Isaiah 14 I just read says. He sent his fallen watchers out to do his will to destroy humanity. How? By having God act unjustly to destroy humanity, for joining in the rebellion, for making him the devil lord over a new world system on earth. You know, the devil's called the spirit of the age, the god of this world, so forth, etc. So I'm not speaking anything out of line. The humankind gave up the authority, handed it over to the devil. That's what the world's elites want to do. They want to hand it over to the devil, to the Antichrist. They may not think they're doing so, but I beg to differ. I think a lot of them do. Did you know that God announced that this will not happen? How? He announced it in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. By telling that this, by the seed of the woman, 
will come one who will crush the serpent's head. That was Jesus. He accomplished that on the cross. And this is brought out in verse 5 in the New King James. And she bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to God and his throne. That speaks of Jesus Christ, and that's exactly what happened. By the cross, he defeated all the works of the devil. And he made us, the body, his church, part of his body to help him carry out that task. And guess what? At near the time of the end, the church is going to apostatize and drop the ball, just like Israel. This goes back to Psalms 2, verses 4 and 9 out of the New King James. Yet I've set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I'll declare the decree, says the Lord. The Lord has said to me, You are my son. Today I've begotten you. Ask of me, and I'll give you the nations for your inheritance, and the ends of earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessels. Who's he going to break in pieces like a potter's vessel? The world's elites who think they own everything. And the devil and all his minions that control the world's elites who set the stage for complete wickedness to one last battle against God, which is the book of Revelation is about. So verse 6 uh, begins, and it begins to fill the gaps left by the dramatic account we just read. From the, and it explains from the past through the flow of history to the future event. That's what verse 6 is talking about. Look at chapter 12, verse 6. Then the woman fled to the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. So here's the first part. The woman, Israel, fled into the wilderness because she was being persecuted by the dragon. The dragon came and it was unleashed on earth here. However, God protects her in a prepared place for 1,260 days. Well, the number 1260 has several shades of meaning that might help explain what loyal Israel is being hid from at the time of the end. Okay, let's look at it. Well, 1,260 root meaning means the ways of an immoral woman, a harlot, who leads many to the house of death. The next is the prime factor meaning. The prime factor meaning is idolizing an enemy adversary, a mighty gibberim of renown who exalts himself with the curse of sin. I'm not baking this stuff up. That's what it means. So loyal Israel will be hidden by God during a time when the great harlot is leading the world to the chambers of death. When the world idolizes an adversary, one of renown, to escape the curse of sin, rebellion, and death. We're going to really believe that they can escape sin, rebellion, and death. The devil's promising redemption from God is what he's doing here. And during this time, the, the devil is going to go to war against the nation of Israel. Okay, and any believers that are still out there in the tribulation, just like the book of Revelation talks about. The number meaning matches what is happening later in the book of Revelation. Amazing, isn't it? So loyal Israel will be hidden by God during a time when the great harlot is leading the world to the chambers of death. That great harlot, the, the Ishtar, whatever you want to call it, is leading the world in the merchant class and to slit their own throats and they realize they have no prosperity left, they're going to bemoan, oh, Babylon, the Babylon the great has fallen. And they mourn for Babylon because their riches and their resources are no more. Folks, this is in direct context with the entire book of Revelation concerning the man of sin and his war against God's loyal people and a whole lot more. Now we drift back into the eons of our own time when war broke out in heaven 
as it says in Revelations 12 verses 7 and 10. And this, these verses explains the details mentioned in the dramatic scene in verses 1 through 6. And it gives more details how the dragons were loosed on earth to unleash hell on earth after the fall of man. And look at verse 7. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. The dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found in them for in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. And he was cast to earth, and his angels were cast out with him. We go back to the verse above there, talking about the devil drove his tail. The stars of heaven, these are the fallen watchers. Then the devil also was cast out, because there was a war in heaven. It still rages to this day. This speaks of the devil and all his crew being cast out of heaven to an area around the earth known as the second heaven. It's the realm of spiritual warfare that Paul talked about. Principalities, powers, and rules, and darkness, and hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Okay, There's a lot here to speculate on this, but this may refer to what Enoch, even though the book of Enoch is not canon in the scripture, he does mention something very interesting, how 200 watchers were imprisoned. These were leading watchers. And these watchers will be released after they spend 70 generations in the heart of the earth, in, in Tartarus, or hell. And uh, when the 70th generation time, whatever that time frame is, uh, the imprisoned watchers are released back on earth for one last battle. Okay? So if you look at the four horsemen of the apocalypse, you go into Revelation chapter 9 about the host of hell being unleashed, and you also about the four spirits being released from under the Euphrates, you might get the idea that there might be some semblance of truth of the book of Enoch about the head watchers being released back on earth. It connects. It does. It does. I'm just saying, for that one last battle. No matter what, it looks like the host of hell's leaders will be on earth, the demonic leaders, and God will judge them with an inescapable guilty verdict by the one who will crush the serpent's head. Now, let's look at this further in verse 10. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. Now the New King James reads this. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. In other words, they're gathering evidence. Being witnessed by human beings on earth and by the angels who are watching everything. They're watching the true attack against God's goodness, grace, and mercy, his equity, his character, his nature, his righteousness, his just ways that allows one to learn how to live freely in the boundaries of God's protective love that are meant for one's protection, not for enslavement like the devil will try to make you believe. And these angels will witness how God is so merciful and slow to anger and how the devil is quick to impose wrath. Who do you want to live under? Okay. The devil attacks God's people again, and in doing so, the true hypocrisy of evil, seductive words that seek to pit God's absolute just nature and character against each other to wiggle out of being punished. Their ways and words are all exposed by this. There's no wiggle room that they can wiggle out of now, because in the book of Revelation, it's all exposed by their attacking the body of believers on earth, okay, of people who believe in Jesus, even even Israel, 
Even the 144,000 Jewish evangelists, the true witnesses, will testify of this. All those who are saved, and all who are saved during the tribulation, will, will testify of this. All Christian believers through all throughout history who have died at the hands of persecution testify of the hypocrisy of evil. Okay? There's no wiggle room this time. And Psalms 116 verses 15 and 16 say this, man. This is a hard, hard message here. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, truly I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. Boy, that's a, people just don't want to teach on that verse. Because precious is the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Why? Because you are exposing evil. And then the psalmist writes here, I am your servant, meant for this. But you have loosed my bonds. I'm no longer held in bondage to the works of the devil anymore. Hallelujah. I got heaven and eternity with you and the boundaries of your love. That's where I want to be. I understand my task as the body of believers on earth. So you have loosed my bonds from all control of the evil one. You've loosed my bonds from all their arguments. You, you have loosed and finally answered all the how longs will evil prosper and you do nothing. You're finally answered by our testimony against evil for slaying what is truly good, noble, right, and just. This is a hard saying, folks. When evil attacks us and takes away our rights as a human beings, we, like Jesus, will expose that evil is not just, not fair, because it justifies betrayal, abandonment, neglect, destruction, robbery, hypocrisy, bearing false witness, beating, mocking, scourging, hating, demanding you perform for it or else, or you're not a Christian, okay? Crucifying goodness in exchange for such depravity to rule. Listen to what Jesus said in John 15, verse 20 and 23. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. So evil is totally exposed by how they treat you. Okay? Now realize what Revelation chapter 12 verse 11 means. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony and did not love their lives unto death. That is how we overcome in the present now. That's how we overcame in the past. This is how you'll overcome in the future tribulation, folks, by the word of our testimony and by the blood of the Lamb and not loving our lives unto death. You live your life as a dead man who's resurrected to Jesus Christ. You owe Jesus your allegiance. And I am look so forward to go back to heaven and live forever in the boundaries of his protective love. I don't want this sin and depravity. I've learned my lesson. Have mercy on me, O oh Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you for paying the sin debt in full. Thank you for restoring us back. We have heaven. They have hell. Hallelujah. Now, our job is to witness to them and try to get as many of these people into heaven as possible because your forgiveness is that great. But if they don't, it's on them. And how they treat me exposes they are guilty and they can't wiggle out of it. 
Not at all. Not even the devil can wiggle out of it this time. By finding something to accuse us on. Do you get the picture? The devil always is called the accuser of the brethren. Okay? We just read that. And so you, this time he has nothing to accuse you of. The blood of the lamb covers that. And the word of our testimony, what you just put us with through, we're covered under the blood, and we don't love our lives unto death. You don't have no control over us. And how you torment us, how you treated us, you're guilty. You can't wiggle out of this one. Just think of what God's going to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That is how we overcome, folks. Look at verse 12 out of chapter 12. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. Hallelujah. Everyone in heavens be shouting glory, but woe to the earth, because the tribulation is about to hit big, and, and Israel is in the middle of it, and is, and all kinds of stuff was going to happen concerning Israel. Israel is God's time, peace, and prophecy now. Look at verse 13. Well, Revelation chapter 12, verses 13 through 17, returns back to a narrative account that further fills in the gaps left over from the dramatic scenes we just read about. Okay? We go back now to the past and we work our way through the future to the future event. This is how to read this, folks. I don't know how else to say it. So verse 13, we read from the New King James. Now when the dragon saw he had been cast to earth, remember, he was we just read about it. The process of time, something happened. Now we go back to the point where he was cast to the earth. Now when the dragon saw that he'd been cast to earth, he pers persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. So, guess what? The devil came and attacked Eve first. Just let your mind roll for a second here. He was going to give birth to the male child. Remember, Eve was promised that through her seed will come one who will crush the serpent's head. He tried in the very beginning to get rid of humanity, to keep this from happening, and he failed. Revelations 12, 14. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness to her place, where she is nourished for a time, times, a half a time, from the presence of the serpent. Okay? So the woman represents Israel, and God's special people, Israel, was given two wings of a great eagle. Now, the eagle has a lot of meanings here. Just think of flying high above your enemies, seeing everything around you in a place of safety. That's the idea here. That she might fly into the wilderness and seek shelter, where she's nourished for a time, times a half a time. But every Bible scholar I know of, and I'm including myself, all agree <laughs> that this describes a three-and-a-half-year period, which connects back to verse 6 of Revelation where it says in verse 6, Then the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. We just read that to you. That's all connects. Dramatic, historical, the past goes to a historical process to the future, to future events. And all the, like three sections here in chapter 12. Think about it here. And this talks about when loyal Israel is going to be hidden by God during a time when the great harlot is leading the world into the chambers of death, when the world idolizes an adversary, one of renown who seeks to escape the curse of sin and rebellion and death in the lake of fire. These are the world elites, including the devil and his minions, who prepare the way for the Antichrist to step into a new world order 
It is called that for a reason, because it's the devil's new world system in order to provide the means of escape away from all concept of God whom the Bible reveals in truth. They want nothing of it. They want to escape God's wrath, his judgment, his justice, by making God subservient to them. These people, these, okay? So what does a times, times, and a half mean? You know, the, the phrase times, times, a half a time has layered meanings in the text. It refers to a three and a half year period. It can also refer to something else, okay? And so here it also can refer to what Jesus mentioned in Matthew chapter 24, verse 22, where he says, Unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. I also will suggest that you consider this layered meaning as well. If you go back and look at these words and the etymology, it means a cycle of time. So one cycle of time times one cycle of time times a cycle of time cut in half. Okay, that's a, that's a separate meaning. And that can be implied in this too. So you have Israel was cycle of time twice where it was scattered and regathered. And now you have a time cut short. Okay. And guess what? The two scatterings and regatherings are complete. Israel is back in the nation. So we have a, a time cut short. A cycle of time that's cut short. Could be three and a half year period, which I think it is, as well as a whole gamut of time as well. There's layered meanings here. I'm just saying, just start thinking, just start thinking. So, folks, think about this. Israel is now in their own land a third time right now. And as I read Bible prophecy throughout the Bible on this matter, there will be a time of great crisis and suffering in Israel in the latter days. When everything looks bleak and it's all going to come against them. Here is when the Lord Jesus will come back and Israel will look upon the one whom they pierced and he will come and set his foot on the Mount of Olives and he will set up his kingdom and rule the nations in the millennial kingdom. But it won't happen until it gets dark. That's a prophetic pattern for the church. It looks dark. It looks dark. And then the Lord dramatically rescues them with the rapture. Those who are left behind go through the tribulation. Sorry, one taken, one left. Jesus meant that literally when he talked about it referring to this very same event out of matthew 24 luke 17 as well as luke chapter 21 concerning the end times okay thus we come to the period where the time was cut short a half a time okay half a cycle in other words Will they be scattered in all the nations or will they be on the throes of being scattered and cast out of their nations and Jesus comes back and saves the day is kind of what I think. That Jesus comes back to save the day in the nick of time, just like he has in the past. So let's look at Revelation chapter 12, verses 15 and 17. Let me read this out of the New King James and conclude with this. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth, and swallowed the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, he went to make war with the rest of her offspring, and keep the commandments of God, have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So again, we have a dramatic event. Now we go back in the past, we look at the procession of history, and we come to the future event in these uh, two, in verse 15 and verse 17, all there. So the past, so the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman, after Israel, to, to drown her, to stop. You have Haman who wanted to kill the Jews. 
Yet so many times the Jews faced extermination and driven out of their lands and then they were gathered. You had Adolf Hitler wanted to exterminate them. You had Stalinist Russia. You had all these people going after people of faith, okay? Uh, so to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman and the earth opened his mouth and swallowed the flood which the dragon spewed out of his mouth. Again, the world came to the aid of Israel without even knowing it during World War II. If they would not have gone to war and won the war, uh, the Jewish population would have probably been wiped out. Just saying. The earth opened its mouth. So we see the procession of what happened in the past, going through a procession of time. Keep following. <laughs> Keep tracking with me. Look at verse 17. And the dragon was enraged with the woman. Why? Because she gave birth to Jesus. Jesus gave birth to the church. That's us. And he went to make war with her the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So, from the birth of the church, he tried to persecute with a flood, with his mouth, with flooded, deceptive words, deceptive words and deceiving words to manipulate the population to go against and do his bidding to get rid of Christians, get rid of the Jews, okay? Horrible persecution from the first for the first three or four hundred years of the church happened. Okay, you get the picture. And all throughout church history, persecution arise against the Christians. Christian missionaries were martyred and killed in droves. I'm telling you, folks, this tells from the past a procession of history to the church age. In this last sentence, the devil's at war with you. And I don't know why Christians don't want to talk about this or even preach on spiritual warfare. I guess it's easier to talk about how to get rich, how to be blessed, and how to be a success. That sells and you get a congregation of dumbed down people who don't even know that uh, the tigers circle around them ready to devour. The, the lion walks about getting ready to pounce on them and they paying no attention. So he went to make war with the rest of her offspring and keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of G Jesus Christ. Now, the idea of commandments, we have to go back to the Ten Commandments. It, it's not a bunch of do's and don'ts. The commandments were to teach us how to live responsible before God and each other. Who keep the commandments of God, to love one another, and not divide and split. Who keep the commandments of God, to how to live right before each other and God. Okay, that's what we keep. That's a word of our testimony. That'll be a testimony for us. We are followers of Jesus Christ. Okay. Do you get the picture? We live responsible before our wives and our, and before your mate. Okay. Before your family. You, you live responsible to them by being responsible to God. And have the testimony of Jesus Christ sealed in you that you are a child of God. There's enough evidence to convict you. And these verses, like I said, explain the historical flow from the time of Israel came into being all through the two scatterings, regatherings, and beyond to the church age and its end and moves into the tribulation period when Jesus says it's over and all wickedness is judged. Again, Revelation 2.17, And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now we have come to the time of the end when the world elites gain control of all the world governments and all the, and they already have the world's resources, they own the industry. Okay, only thing they don't control is Israel yet at this time. And Israel is divided at this time. 
And why it's divided? Because you have 144,000 Jewish evangelists are at work getting people saved. You have two witnesses out there testifying against the works of darkness here and, and battling it. Israel stands alone. The rest of the world is coming against Israel. Okay. And there are people still being saved during the tribulation and amidst the utter hate for God and his people. And this is going to manifest in what I call open hunting season against God's goodness that allows regions and free flow of ideas, free flow of freedom of speech. They're going to go to war against true fairness and justice, love, mercy, grace that offers a choice to return to God's boundaries of love or not. The Jewish evangelists, the two witnesses get it. And all those people who get saved, all those people getting saved during the tribulation get it. And those who don't get it are damned. So this all culminates by what is known as the Great Tribulation. So what you'll see leading up to the Tribulation period here, you'll see world's elites are seeking to reshape the world into a tyrannical system of control that rids the world of all reason, all debate. There is no freedom of speech allowed, only force control, nothing else. It's all summed up on page 7 of Silent Weapons and Quiet War, and it sums that up just like this. This form of slavery is essential to maintain some measure of social order, peace, and tranquility for the ruling upper class, end quote. So they want a slavery that's essential to maintain their ruling elite class. They want social order, peace, and tranquility. Let's rephrase this differently. This form of slavery is essential to maintain some measure of social order, peace, and safety for the ruling upper class. Jesus says when they say peace and safety or peace and tranquility, then the end comes. Here it's written in a book about the same subject by the world's elites. That sums up what the new world order has in store for us now, leading up to the point of the tribulation and during the tribulation. This is how the devil spews out of his mouth slogans like social justice, equality of outcomes, climate change, do it for your, wear a mask for your brothers. If you're a real Christian, you know, that's how the devil swings it. He pits God's words against itself. So that sums up what the new world order has in store for everyone. So from the devil's mouth and his words, he influences the entire society and world to uh, say this what they blame god as being like old-fashioned tyrannical and, and just a big meanie is in reality what they are really like they're just mirroring their own character traits on god no wonder angels look into the ways of god's marvelous work of salvation no wonder there is rejoicing in the throne room of god seen in chapters 4 and 11 and in 12. folks i tell you Let's look at Revelation chapter 11, verses 15 through 19. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders sat before the throne, fell on their faces, and worshipped God, saying, We give thanks to you, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was and who is to come, because you have taken your great power and reigned. The nations were angry, and your wrath has come. In the time of the dead, that they should be judged, that you should reward your servants and prophets and the saints and those that fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those who seek to destroy the earth. Then the temple of God was opened in heaven, the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple. All were lightnings, noises, thunderings, and an earthquake and great hail. 
The seventh trumpet sounds when it all ends. That's the trumpet victory. That's why they're singing glory. It's all done. We exposed evil for what it is. God's people are gathered to him. All evil is done away with. No more tears, no more crying, and new heavens and earth come. Hallelujah. Amen. So with that, folks, we'll pick this up next time as we explore who and what the Antichrist is and the unholy trinity that he represents and comes out of and what his rise of power will look like and how he's going to manipulate the elites to activate and cause this new world order to come into practice. Actually, we are seeing it unfold before our very eyes. You think this pandemic is not planned-demic to be used? In fact, the World Economic Forum talks about using COVID-19 as a reset the world's economy into a one-world, new world order, a one-world government. With that, I'm going to start rolling my contact information. And if you'd like to help me keep doing my task, you can support me as well up there. All that information will be on the screen. With that, I'm going to roll out the video with this and say blessings to you all. And that, that the Lord bless thee and keep thee, make his face shine upon you. And that he'll look upon you, that you be counted worthy to escape these things and stand before the Son of Man. And that the Lord will keep you far from all evil and strengthen you during these times. In Jesus' name, amen.